Do you wonder why the same patterns of stress and worry keep reappearing in your life? Or worse, do you feel like you're constantly holding your breath because you don't know what's coming next, but you know there will be something because you have a child with anxiety? Juggling all of these aspects can keep your stress levels consistently high and that can affect your mental health, your mood, and your overall well-being. Today, we're going to be looking at three strategies that you can use to manage your stress and prevent burnout, depression, and anxiety. Welcome to the Mental Notes Show, the show for ambitious moms ready to break the cycle of anxiety for themselves and their families. I've been in your shoes. I know the weight of holding it all together for a family when you're barely holding it together for yourself. And sometimes it can feel lonely and overwhelming. I'm your host, Deanna Pacina. I'm a certified parenting coach, behavioral consultant, counselor in training, and wife and mom. I know what it's like to feel alone in parenting an anxious child. I thought I could do it all on my own, but it was learning how to manage my anxiety and connect with a community that made all the difference in how I show up for myself and my family. This podcast is your sanctuary, a place where we get real about the struggles and triumphs of parenting anxious kids while managing our own personal growth. We'll dive deep into communication hacks, identifying those sneaky triggers, and creating a home that's more peace and less chaos. So grab your favorite cup of something warm and let's go. Today, we're going to be looking at three ways that you can manage your stress. Now, stress is a normal part of life. It's always going to be there. We need it, in fact. So the goal isn't that we get rid of it. The goal is that we learn how to identify when we're in a stressed state and be able to get ourselves out of it. Because the problem is when stress becomes chronic, it can lead to anxiety and other mental health issues. The stress response is our body's way of protecting us. And when it works properly, it helps us stay focused, energetic, and alert. In emergency situations, stress can save your life by giving you extra strength or speed. And we know this as the fight or flight response. But beyond a certain point, stress stops being helpful and starts causing damage to your health your mood, your productivity, your relationships, and your quality of life. So one of the most powerful things that you can do is be able to identify what is your primary stress response. So I'm going to go through the different ways that we respond to stress, and I want you to ask yourself which one do you feel like is your your go-to in a stressful situation? The fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses are the four primary ways that human beings respond to perceived threats or stressors. There's also a stage called safe and social, which is a newer addition to the list, and it's associated with feeling safe and secure in our environment. And ideally, we would be operating from the safe and social the majority of the time. So that's the goal is how do we get ourselves out of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn so we can get back into that safe and social response. Fight is activated when we perceive a threat or a stressor as something that we can overcome or defeat. It prepares our body for confrontation by increasing our heart rate, our blood pressure, and adrenaline levels. Flight is activated when we perceive a threat or stressor as something that we can't overcome and we decide to escape from it. It also increases our heart rate, our blood pressure, and adrenaline levels, but the energy is directed towards running away versus fighting. Freeze is activated when you perceive the threat or stressor as something that you cannot fight or flee from. Your body freezes in place. 
often accompanied by feelings of fear and helplessness. The fawn response is activated when you perceive the threat or stressor as something that can be appeased or placated. It involves behaviors such as people-pleasing, appeasement, and submission to avoid conflict and maintain safety. And safe and social is activated when we perceive our environment as safe and secure. It's associated with feelings of calm and relaxation and social engagement. And it allows for growth and restoration and positive social interactions. And ideally, this is where we want to live most of the time. But I want you to think about those four Fs, the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Which one would you say is your go-to in a stressful situation? For me, it's absolutely fawn. I am a people pleaser. When I um, see that there's a threat of some sort, I automatically go into how can I fix this? How can I make it better mode? You need to understand, though, that these are not conscious choices. So when I'm doing that, when I start in that process, it's not a conscious thing. It's, it's an automatic reaction that's triggered by my nervous system in response to whatever the stressor might be. Understanding your response can help you recognize and manage your stress more effectively. The nervous system plays a crucial role in how we perceive and respond to threats. It's composed of two main parts. We have our central nervous system, which is our brain and our spinal cord, and the peripheral nervous system, which includes all of the nerves that branch out from the brain and the spinal cord to the rest of our body. So when there's a threat, our nervous system kicks into high gear. This can be a real, actual threat, or it can be something that we perceive to be a threat. The peripheral nervous system sends a signal to our brain, which then triggers the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. And these responses are coordinated by our sympathetic nervous system. It prepares our body for action by increasing our heart rate, our blood pressure, our breathing rate, and diverting blood flow to our muscles. However, not all threats lead to that fight or flight. Sometimes the threat is seen as really overwhelming and we freeze. This is also coordinated by our sympathetic nervous system. On the other hand, when the threat subsides, our parasympathetic nervous system takes over to calm our body down. It slows our heart rate, it decreases our blood pressure, and it helps us get back into a state of equilibrium. Sometimes when the threat is perceived as something that can be appeased or placated, your body might go into a fawn response, which involves behaviors such as people-pleasing, appeasement, and submission to avoid conflict and maintain safety. And then finally, when we think that our environment is safe and secure, our nervous system activates that safe and social response. It allows for growth and restoration and positive social interactions. And ideally, again, we want to be in that safe and social most of the time, but we need strategies to help keep us there. So let's look at three ways that we can help combat stressors in our life. The first way is gratitude. Now, gratitude might seem like a really simple thing, but it has a powerful impact on our ability to manage stress and anxiety. It's more than just saying thank you. It is a profound appreciation for the goodness in our lives, and it's a way of seeing the world that can shift our focus from what we lack to the abundance that's already there. The way I like to explain it is, you know, if you decide that you want a car, uh, for me it was I wanted, I saw a Kia Telluride and I was like, oh, I like that car. I'd never seen one before. 
And once I saw one and I decided that I wanted one, I started seeing them everywhere. Now I can't go anywhere without seeing another Kia Telluride. Does that mean that they just suddenly appeared? No, they were there all along. I just didn't see them. So gratitude is that way. The things that are around you, they're already there. You just have to be able to look at them through that lens of gratitude. According to a study by the University of California at Berkeley, people who practice gratitude consistently have several key benefits. There are physical benefits. They have stronger immune systems. They are less bothered by aches and pains, lower blood pressure. They exercise more and take better care of their health. They sleep longer and they feel more refreshed upon waking. There are psychological advantages. They have higher levels of positive emotions. They're more alert, alive, and awake. And they have more joy and pleasure and optimism. And then social benefits include people being more helpful and generous, more forgiving, more outgoing, and they feel less lonely and less isolated. Some other ways that research has shown that gratitude can be helpful is that it can lower our stress levels. Studies have found that people who regularly practice gratitude have lower levels of stress and depression. People who express gratitude also have improved self-esteem because gratitude reduces social comparisons. If you think about some of the reasons why our kids have anxiety, they are constantly having to compare themselves against other people and unrealistic expectations that they're seeing all over social media. So instead of becoming resentful towards people, Gratitude helps us appreciate other people's accomplishments and look at it and say, well, if they can do that, I, why can't I? I can do that too. And gratitude also boosts our mental strength. For years, research has shown that gratitude not only reduces stress, but it can play a major role in overcoming trauma. Recognizing everything that we have to be thankful for, even during the worst times, fosters resilience. And if you think about going in and out of stressed states, being able to get back to that safe and social is a form of resilience. So gratitude can be as simple as writing down three things that you're grateful for each day, thanking somebody who has helped you or taking a moment to appreciate all of the wonderful things that you have around you. These small changes can have a big impact on your stress levels and your overall mental health. The second way that we can combat stress is through physical activity. Physical activity is one of the most effective ways that we can reduce our stress and improve our mental health because it works by releasing endorphins, which are our natural mood boosters, and it can act as a natural distraction from stressors. About 10 years ago, my family, we were living in Boston, and I was miserable. I didn't know anybody. We were only going to be living there a short amount of time. It was very different culturally. We had moved there from Hawaii. And I started walking on the treadmill in the basement. And it was interesting because what I found was there would be moments where I would just be overcome by emotion and start crying on the treadmill. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Well, what I now know is that literally my body was releasing trauma through the act of walking. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, physical activity is effective for reducing fatigue, improving alertness and concentration, and enhancing our overall cognitive function. And this can be especially helpful when stress has depleted our energy or our ability to concentrate. Physical activity is helpful because it can reduce our stress hormones. It's important to note, though, that you want to make sure that you, if you're doing exercise that is 
putting you in, you know, a super high heart rate all the time over and over and over again, you might actually be causing more damage because you are putting your body into a stressful state. So physical activity to help reduce stress should be things like walking or yoga or pickleball or something where there's no pressure, right? It's just a way for you to get out and move your body. Regular physical activity can also increase our self-confidence, improve our mood, lower the symptoms associated with mild depression and anxiety, and it can improve your sleep, which is often disrupted because of things like stress and depression and anxiety. But perhaps one of the most intriguing things to me about physical activity is the fact that not only does it improve our cognitive function now, it can improve our cognitive function and prevent us from developing dementia as we age. According to a study published by the Journal of Aging and Physical Activity, regular physical activity has several benefits for cognitive function and memory in older adults. First of all, it helps us improve our memory, and so much so that when we participate in aerobic exercise, our hippocampus, which is the part of our brain that is involved in verbal memory and learning, actually increases in size. So we can actually grow our brains by exercising. In addition, it improves our cognitive function with things like attention and processing speed and executive function, which is all used in decision-making and problem-solving skills. But here's the exciting one. Regular physical activity can delay the onset of cognitive decline and dementia. A study in the Archives of Neurology found that older adults who engage in regular physical activity have a reduced risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So by beginning to exercise now and being in that habit, you are creating a situation where you are going to be less likely to experience high levels of cognitive decline as you age. And I want to stress that incorporating physical activity doesn't have to be overwhelming. Even small amounts of exercise can make a big difference. This could be a quick walk around the block, a yoga session, a short workout at home. The key is just to find something that you enjoy so that you're more likely to stick with it. The third thing that we can do to help combat stress is to find a connection to nature. Spending time in nature or even just viewing scenes of nature can reduce anger, fear, and stress and increase pleasant feelings. Exposure to nature not only makes you feel better emotionally, it contributes to your physical well-being, reducing your blood pressure, your heart rate, muscle tension, and the production of stress hormones. Research in a growing scientific field called ecotherapy has shown that there's a strong connection between time spent in nature and reduced stress, anxiety, and depression. While it's not exactly clear why this time in nature has such a positive mental effect, researchers have compared the brain activity of healthy people after they walked for 90 minutes in either a natural setting or an urban one. They found that those who did a nature walk had lower activity in the prefrontal cortex, which is the brain region that is active when we are ruminating, which is focused on repetitive thoughts and negative emotions. Aside from mental health benefits, nature can also have positive impact on our physical health. A 2018 study found that people who spent at least 120 minutes a week in nature were significantly more likely to report good health and higher psychological well-being than those who didn't visit nature at all during an average week. 
I know for me, getting up every morning and going for a walk through my neighborhood has been an absolute game, game changer. And I'm super grateful that we live in an area where walking paths are incorporated into the community. I can go out in the morning and I'm literally walking through the forest and, you know, I can hear the birds and I can see the ducks and I can, um, you know, see the cardinals and the squirrels hopping all over the place and rabbits. And it's just such a peaceful way for me to get out and start my day. Now, does this mean that you need to take up camping or hiking or, you know, go on some wilderness expedition? No. You can incorporate nature in small doses into your daily routine. So this can be something as simple as going to a local park, gardening, or even bringing nature indoors with plants or nature-inspired decor or listening to, you know, nature sounds on a white noise machine. One of my favorites is listening to the sound of leaves rustling in the wind. It's just so calming and soothing for me. The goal isn't to add another thing for you to do, but it's to find small manageable ways to incorporate nature into your day in a way that feels enjoyable and restorative to you. In conclusion, managing high-functioning anxiety as a mom, especially when we're parenting children with their own unique challenges, can feel really overwhelming. But understanding the origins of stress, the role of our nervous system, and the importance of self-care practices like gratitude, physical activity, and nature connection can make a significant difference. Remember, you don't have to navigate this journey alone. There are resources and communities available like this podcast to support you. It's important to remember that it's not about being perfect, but it's about learning and growing along the way and learning about yourself and finding ways to take care of yourself in the middle of all of the stress of daily life. So take a moment and reflect on what you've learned and how you can incorporate these practices into your life. And don't forget, if you haven't taken my parenting personality quiz, it can help you gain some deeper insights into your unique parenting style. And it will probably reveal to you some ways in which stress might show up for you. You can take that quiz at dnapacino.com forward slash quiz. And if you would like to join our Facebook community, I will link that in the show notes for you. We'd love to have you join us. Thank you for spending time with me today. I hope that you found this information helpful and I look forward to continuing this journey with you because I'm right there in the trenches with you every day. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback helps us reach more moms like you. Until next time, remember that you are doing your best and that is more than enough. See you next week, friend.